Here we go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever time of day it is. This is Underdogs. I am David Patrick Fleming. With me is Jacob Eman. It's, I don't know, January 20th, 2021. And by George, I think we're contenders. It is a franchise record deal. The Blue Jays got the biggest fish in the offseason. George Springer inks a six-year $150 million deal to come to T.O. Well, Dunedin. I can't believe it. This is a great day for the Blue Jays. Jacob, where are you at right now? Where's your excitement level? Give it to me. I mean, you've been seeing me. I can't I can't sit still. I'm I've been dancing all morning. I woke up early. Like the the second I kind of had that, you know, like just sliver of like, do I want to wake up now? I started thinking, we got George Springer. I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to get on Twitter. I want to see what people are saying. Have the have the Blue Jays made another move? Because things are starting to roll, man. We got Kirby Yates. We got yep. Tyler Chatwood. We got George Springer. Yeah, baby. We're going to get into those other players a little bit later, but we got to deal with this first off. It's the biggest, the biggest news. It's the biggest news across MLB. The biggest free agent, arguably, you could make the case for Trevor Bauer, yeah. but ain't doing it. Not in this city. Nah. Now I was a little unless he comes too. <laughs> unless he hey, comes too. We'll fire up the mics again. We got Trevor <laughs> Bauer. We got yeah. Trevor. We got Trevor Bauer. <laughs> All right. Now this was a weird thing. I was I had already taken these two sleeping pills last night. I was gonna go to bed super early. I took them around nine o'clock. I get a text from Jacob and he says Twitter's blowing up with this. George Springer news, but it wasn't from typical MLB insiders or sources. It was a guy named no. Brandon Kuhn, who from his chair getting his hair cut, uh, says uh, that a deal with George Springer is um, done pending a physical and boom, it ignites Twitter. You get a guy, Austin Zuck, who jumps in saying that it was official and that the source he got it from was George Springer himself. But then you had these guys like Ben Nicholson-Smith saying like, you know, that it was just that Springer says he's impressed with the Blue Jays. You had John Heyman, mm -hmm. you had John Heyman like kind of back on his heels. And so it was like, I don't really know. I got caught up in a fake Jeff Passan account that said it was real. Didn't look for the check mark. And then I was like, ah, <laughs> none. this is why I don't know Twitter that well. But then what rolled it, and but then Joey Vendetta was also in there, which gave it a little bit more legitimacy. Yep. And then Mike Wilner said, you know, Joey Vendetta doesn't just make stuff up, and he has good sources. And then John Heyman came in and said that there's movement with the Blue Jays camp and George Springer. And then the sleeping pills kicked in, and I went to fucking passed out. Jacob, what? Where were you at in all of that? Well, I was kind of. You know, I was refreshing. My thumb hurts right now. I was refreshing the Twitter so much. I changed my my Twitter algorithm from highlights giving me the best shit to just up to the second updates. And so what was it was strange because I was kind of in this world where all of these guys who I guess are friends with this Brendan Kuhn, Brendan Kuhn, uh, whatever, the B underscore BK, this guy who broke it. All of these guys um, defending him, getting really hot and bothered about people saying they don't believe him. They're like, listen, this guy's good. He's got good sources. Believe him. Credit him. Credit him. Credit him. Everyone's jumping on saying, you got to credit this guy. I'm like, yeah, you do got to credit him. This guy had the scoop. He, I guess, works with Blue Jays Nation. Uh, 
I don't really know much about that, but uh, he's got. He's got a source, and he's got a ton of followers after breaking that oh. last night. He's got, you know, he's got major writers, uh, probably pretty upset with people in the Blue Jays front office that they didn't get to break the scoop. Um, and it was interesting, like, kind of getting a little bit of a history from other guys on the Twitter who were defending him, talking about another guy who goes... He's at t- Twitter at wins and lo- flosses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who, yeah, I yeah, guess I remember had the scoop. He had the scoop on Jose Bautista before any of that broke um, for the for his extension, and there were people. I guess some prominent writer was writing to to uh, Blue Jays front office saying, "Why the hell is this guy getting the scoop over me?" So there's a kind of a history of it in Toronto, and uh, you know. It was just, it's interesting that we were so accustomed to trusting these big writers that we couldn't possibly believe that this this guy who, you know, works at a blog or works at a, at a website who, you know, he's obviously got his sources, but we don't trust it. But it also, it just felt so, you know, life's been so weird over this last year. It felt yeah. like, and people got so much time on their hands right now and, you know, yep. mental health is struggling, et cetera, et cetera. And so it was, it, 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 it wouldn't have surprised me. I think I said to you last night, I was like, oh, I'm like worried it's a hoax or I think this is a hoax mm-hmm. or something. And then, and then you said, I think it's real, man. And I was like, oh, he's starting to believe. Maybe I'll start yeah. to believe it. And then, like I said, I, I fell asleep. And then when I, I woke up today about 4.30 in the morning and I got the text from you and then I was just seeing it. And I, you know, I was still like a little bit out of it. And I like initially I had this kind of like conflicted feeling. But as the morning's gone on, it's just been ramped up with um, so much excitement. So it is six years, $150 million. It's the biggest contract since the contract of Vernon Wells of 120 million which is a well-known disaster and really hamstrung the organization for years to come but this feels this i mean for me my kind of initial thoughts on this are it goes beyond the player it goes beyond what George Springer is going to do for us on the field and it goes up to uh the organization of the Toronto Blue Jays and being able to grab the best free agent in the market and what that says about the ownership, what that says about Ross and Mark and their team and their ability to get this deal done because, you know, they're up against the New York Mets who just got Francisco Lindor. And it just gives me so much hope for the potential of this team and other pieces that they can acquire and and not having that that disgusting inferiority complex of of being a, a blue jays fan and and yeah maybe they overpaid a bit who gives a shit it's just a bit of money apparently the mets still offered a six-year deal as well so mm-hmm. it was the same contract length just more money get the deal done they put their money where their mouths is and now we've got a fucking dog in center field yeah, we do. That was the other part that played into not really believing it at first, too, was like, we just, you know, we're Toronto Blue Jays fans, and we're Toronto Blue Jays fans this year where we've just grown so accustomed to never getting the guy, never, and, and like losing that trust, having them tell us flat out, we're going to get better, we're trying to get the best dudes. We want two elite guys or four really good guys. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make this team better. And we're still like, we keep losing. We keep losing. Why didn't we get him? Why didn't we get him? Why can't we just sign someone? Even if he's shitty, I don't care. Just make me feel better. This offseason's killing me. But 
they they held true to their word in a huge way. They they got the best dude. They got the number one guy on many people's um, off-season lists of who the top free agents are. Maybe someone's got Bauer. But it really just depends. And does your team need a pitcher who had a Cy Young season and has been like above average but not like incredible for a consistent number of years before that? Or do you want a World Series MVP, a guy who's hit the hit the cover off the ball since he came up? Who who has been the best leadoff hitter in the game for like four or five years? Who consistently hits over thirty home runs every year? Who's never had an OPS plus below one twelve or one eighteen? This guy is a juggernaut, offensive player, and he can still play center field. Whether whether or not he plays center field to the end of the contract, that doesn't matter. We we're going to be able to build towards that with. Other guys that we've got coming up. Maybe it's going to be Austin Martin that's going to move to center field in 2023 or 2024. We don't have to worry about that because our window is open now and the ball is rolling in a huge way. I've, I've got a whole different like uh, mindset about this team. I've got, I've got different priorities. Suddenly I'm... I mean, we can get into kind of talking about what it means for like Vlad. Suddenly I'm like, Vlad can't play third. Our time's now, man. I can't. I don't know if I can stomach Vlad being bad at third for a year or two now, like to maybe just make our lineup better. We can get dudes in. We can get a good third baseman now that might make us win a World Series this year or next year. Like the whole, I'm buzzing, man. Everything's changed. There's so much to talk about. There's so much going on. There's so much possibility uh, with this, and you know, even just to touch briefly, this is just something I just thought about when you said that if they were to win the World Series this year, could you imagine them winning the World Series this year and fucking Dunedin and we, like, <laughs> with no fans and like just like no? Um, but uh, we, we, I, I feel it would be slightly disingenuous for me not to at least bring up the fact that you know, no secret, George Springer was on the cheating Astros team. Uh, you know, there's some metrics that came out at that time. George Springer profited uh, greatly in uh, some of the old trash can banging. Now his numbers have been arguably better since, you know, mm -hmm. but if we choose to believe, if we choose to believe and say the cheating stopped in 2017, which I'm open to doing now because I'm so <laughs> excited, but let's just say it is, then his numbers are arguably been better. Did Does that taint this in any way to you do you do you think about that or have you just completely let that go because i know that you were closer to even just letting that go at the beginning of last season yeah i mean there will always be a part of it and if george struggles again you know next year or the those thoughts will come back but right now like seeing how great he did in 2020 you know, like in that shortened season, in like a time where everything's come out, there's a huge microscope on them. Like they have to not only just like be good, but like, I don't know, you and I were both judging that whole team, wanting them to be bad, wanting to be able to blame everything on the trash cans. I, I really did. And I, I took great pleasure in Correa struggling or, or Bregman struggling. I, I'll admit, even from the beginning, I still had this kind of weird soft spot for Springer, and that was well before I even thought about him coming. Well, I guess we can. You've been I've talking been about you've been talking about Springer coming to 
the Blue Jays probably since we started doing uh, a podcast. And I do think as fans before we were, that we too, were, I think even like we were robbed a little bit with uh, no fans in the stands and the whole Astros kind of being able to skirt away with their uh, yes, but certainly. He was not the focal point of my rage. It was Altuve, Bregman, and Correa. For whatever reason, he was on the the second level down from that. Mm-hmm. And maybe he dealt with the media differently than those three guys did. Certainly, Bregman and Correa were pieces of trash when it came to uh, how they responded to that. Altuve, you know, wormy, snaky. Bregman was at least a little bit more authentic and open about how he respond to that and I'm not I'm not like looking back on this with you know rose colored glasses you know I'm I'm I do I I felt that way at the time I still as I've said on this podcast before I wasn't as open to getting George Springer as you but as I said it's not just about the player it's about what this organization was able to accomplish in getting him yeah but there's something I don't know. You look into Springer's eyes. You look at his face. Like, there's something so wholesome. There's something so like sweet and like not innocent. And like, you still see that he's a dangerous dude at the plate and all that. But there's just something that's like inviting. There's something that you trust and like that. I just want to love that guy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. But you look at Bregman. You're like, fuck you. You're a dick. You're an asshole. Wipe that smarmy grin off your face. But and, and Altuve. It's like. All those words that you said to describe them, but there's just there's always been something about Springer, and I think that you can't you can't uh, like disassociate that from the the whole how we feel about the cheating scandal, and and now how I feel about him as a Blue Jay. So, uh, speaking of dicks and pieces of shit and assholes and and people that deserve to live the rest of their lives in dumpsters. I think we'd also be a little disingenuous if we didn't uh, bring up the Jared Porter GM thing with the Mets and maybe that playing a part in Mm. Springer not Mm -hmm. wanting to go to the Mets for people that don't know the story. I'm sure you do. This fucking Scott bag who was the GM of the Mets. He wasn't at the GM of the Mets at the time, but back in 2016, he met a reporter on an elevator got her number as uh you know a business contact and then he just started rifling dick pics to her and basically uh this is a nameless reporter she doesn't want to be named uh she's now out of out of the um industry because where she is from it is still viewed as the woman's fault for any kind of sexual scandal it's an absolutely disgusting story he is an absolutely disgusting man and i just wonder because of George Springer being involved in that cheating scandal and then and then this thing arising with the Mets wondering like, you know, man, I got I want away from this. I my image is already like a little bit tainted with what I've been through. Get me the fuck away from this organization because you're not gonna convince me that they just didn't know. Oh, nobody knew. It just came out in a story. Fuck that. Somebody knew. And that doesn't make the organization look too good in my opinion. Right. Well, that's interesting. In my mind, I felt I felt trusting of the organization and that they didn't know and that at at this time and with a new ownership when you hire that GM, you're you're doing some vetting and you're looking in. You don't want that kind of shit. So I feel like I would be surprised if they did know. And I feel like they handled it so quickly and and like just like boom, he's he's out of here there's no questions there's no like we're gonna wait to see we're gonna look into it and we we believe in this guy until proven otherwise no boom fired get the fuck out of here so i feel like 
I feel like the Mets have already like moved on from this, and I, I, uh, you know, they don't have a GM, and I'm sure that plays into trying to get things done right away. Springer wants to find a team and all that. There's a bit of that, but I feel like the money talked. The 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 relationships that he's been building with with Charlie with with Ross and Mark this whole team the the philosophies of this team that's probably been talking in a way that we haven't heard about yet beyond just the money like this I, is I a totally, great organization I totally agree that the money talks and if the Mets had been like how's one seventy five sound he would have been like Jared who uh, you know he'd be wearing yeah. a fucking Mets jersey um, I just also think that one of the things that you could do to try to get a player like Springer when you're up against the Mets is talk about how dysfunctional their organization has been. And I know Steve Cohen's come in and he's changed the narrative and he's putting his money out there and he's trying to do good. But, you know, if you're if you're uh, trying to get in Springer's ear about, you know, maybe you don't go to the Mets because <laughs> they've been so dysfunctional and then that happens, you're like, see, see, this is just the start, man. This is what always happens with the Mets. And then, you yeah. Get- I could I could see like some guy having a great conversation, you know, having a beer with him, being like, dude, like the Mets front office, they met with this guy and thought he seemed awesome. And this is a guy who got into his hotel room and like fired up the text messages and sent not one, not two, not ten, not thirty, not forty. <laughs> 60 some messages at, at, at a woman who didn't respond at like what what was message 50 like you know before he like because apparently it was it was message 62 or something that he just sent his erect penis like this isn't a, a flat-out loser a grimy like oh yeah like 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 fucking sewer dwelling piece of shit who 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 the Mets they met with him and they can't you can't smell that kind of Man, a you, thing like I get that you can be like a dirty dude and like have like some secret like I'm I'm my my relationships with women like I don't I, I'm not good with that and I, I I'm, I'm a real freak but how does the, I don't know I think that that somehow is a part of your personality in some other ways oh, that for sure. I think you should be able to smell if you're hiring him. Just to look be at in a still of picture of him and you're like, oh, I can fucking yeah. see the snake grease dripping off his fucking skin. There's no way you yeah. wouldn't have some sense of that. Um, now, Jacob, in the past, here at Underdogs, we have done eulogies for players that has, have left this team. We've, we've said goodbye to a lot of uh, mediocre players. We are now dealing with getting the biggest free agent of the offseason, so we're going we're gonna to switch this up. And oh. I, Jacob, I would like to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you, Jacob Eamon, take George Springer to be your center fielder for the next six years? To have and to hold? To have and to hold through sickness, probably some sickness, hopefully health <laughs> for through richer, injury. richer, richer for him, poorer for us. Yeah, yeah, till, it's gonna be a lot poorer for till, con- till, till contracts do you part? I do, I do. I've got some, I've got some vows. You know, I, I would like to, to speak to George, to tell him how I feel, to to make an oath to him, you know? Can I do that? The floor is yours. Okay. 
Now I just I just I just ripped this off, you know, oh, cool. uh, about about five minutes before before we started here. You texted me about this idea, so uh, to all the listeners out here, you know, this this isn't something I was cooking up from last night. <laughs> Let me just crawl out from under this bus you threw me under, just so I can listen to these vows. <laughs> <laughs> okay, George Chelston Springer the Third. It's fitting that a man taking the helm of this new Blue Jays reign over the American League has such a regal name. Here I am, Jacob Eman, a fan, a podcaster, pledging my vows of devotion to you. You are Keith Law's number one free agent of this offseason, a perfect fit for our team. Here I am, promising you to not rip you in 2026, to take you for what you are now, trash cans and all. I promise in 2026 to remember this day in the offseason when I pledged my devotion to you because you are amazing. You are clutch in the postseason. You are a World Series MVP, the second best center fielder of the last five years in the big leagues, only to Mike Trout, possibly the best baseball player of all time. I'll be there for you before the first pitch of every game because I never want to miss you hitting it for a 410-foot bomb into the flight deck. I will be looking at your hairline with great interest but never attacking you for it. Maybe with $150 million, you can put some money into it. I know you had money before, but I digress. I love you now. I'll love you forever. You are mine, and I will be yours. Make us proud, Georgie. Thank you, Jacob. I I haven't written vows, but I, I would have some vows that I would like to just speak from the heart because this is a big day, and it needs to be solidified with an exchange. George, I do take you for the next six years to be our center fielder, but it doesn't come without conflict. You're a cheater. And so you'll probably cheat on me. But when I think about that and I really get honest with myself, I'll probably cheat on you. There will be times when you'll be up at the plate and struggling and I'll wish you were Francisco Lindor. I'll wish that you were Mike Trout and I will fantasize about them and wishing that they were on the team. And so if we can both just accept the fact that we are going to cheat on each other, then we can accept that we have a chance to do something special. And in about three years, when you have to shave your head because your hair's thinning and we grow old together, hopefully there's a few World Series rings on your finger and maybe some banners in my home. I've been hard on you in the past, but I'm open to this. Here we go. Six years. Fuck yeah. Kiss the center fielder, David. No, I'm not ready. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got a question for you off uh, off of this. Is this George's team now? Oh, I think there's a young man with with hair that ain't falling out that's going to have something to say about that. And his name is Bo B. Shet.
I don't think it's George Springer's team yet. I think George Springer is like the uh, the 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 guy who's going to keep this team together. I think he's a good veteran presence that's going to hopefully. Ah, I meant to say this in the vows, but he's going to slap the donuts out of Vladdy's hand. He's going to be up Tay Oscar's ass if he's dogging it in the outfield. Uh, I think he's going to keep things in check and he's going to teach these kids what uh, a trash canless championship can possibly look like. But uh, you ain't you ain't tearing this team out of Boba Shett's hands. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I, I don't know if Bo has had the team and like... <laughs> I, I guess I don't know enough about what Bo's been like behind the scenes to really feel like it is his team. I sort of feel like it's been this sort of like collective kind of like youth, like, yes, Cavan's a leader, Bo's a leader, Vlad is clearly not. But, you know, I feel like some of the pitchers, some of the, those veteran guys have been the kind of like, this is this is how shit goes around here. And I, I don't think that George is necessarily the personality that he's going to just like walk into the clubhouse and like Josh Donaldson style, like bring in his own boom box and like be like, this is my clubhouse now, get used to the rules and shit like that. But I do feel like he's not necessarily the face I mean, he is sort of the face of the franchise. We've never had more of a face of a franchise in our team's history in terms of money, in terms of a contract. Yes, in Boba terms Shets, of money, like, I agree. But I think we've had some faces of our franchise. I think I, Josh Donaldson, I, I, Jose Bautista were some faces of the franchise for sure. I, 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 I totally agree with that. I just feel like how can I just think Bo sort of like has to not bow before George, but sort of like be like, yeah, man, this is, you know, you put in the commitment here and, and if Bo thinks about himself in, in, I don't know, 10 years, not 10 years, but eight years or something. And what kind of a commitment means to give to a team and what sort of respect that that earns you to, I don't know. I sort of, feel, I kind of feel like it's, it's George Springer in the middle now in those images and on Sportsnet in between the oh I agree with in that. between I the agree pitches with that. no doubt no doubt he's the center of the marketing no doubt whatsoever I just think Bo Bichette's numbers are going to make him the leader of this team I think he's going to blow some Ooh. people out of the water <laughs> I like the sounds of that <laughs> oh my god um all right Jacob it is time now there's going to be some more changes my guess is my guess is the dudes who you think are on this team right now may not start the 2021 season on this team but let's throw caution to the wind and let's do our 2021 starting lineups yeah Jacob okay. tell me your starting lineup for 2021 assuming that everybody on the team now is on the team now and blah 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 it'll probably change in 20 minutes okay so let, let's talk about it the way it is now. And then I want to, after that, I do want to get into sort of the machinations of what seems like has to happen, what yeah. feels I, I, like I'm, could that's happen. That's exactly where we're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. just give it to me now okay. and then we can slot Brantley in after. I was already struggling with it. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. it feels, some, something feels weird right now. Something just doesn't, like guys that I felt like really suited uh, a part of the order now i'm like i don't know it's weird okay but this is what i got for you leading off oh, fuck it's i tough, gotta man. put george it's, yeah it's tough man i get it it's tough if george wants to lead off george is leading off 
like I, I don't know how you can take that away from him. He's been a monster. He's been the best leadoff hitter. Um, I mean, maybe DJ LeMahieu in the past year or two, you know. But like, let's not think about DJ fucking LeMahieu anymore. He's dead to me. Fucking dead to me. George Springer leading off. Cavan <sighs> Biggio hitting second. It doesn't feel right at all. It doesn't feel right at all. Uh, Bo Bichette, third at shortstop. DH and hitting fourth. Teoscar Hernandez. At third fucking base and hitting fifth <laughs> is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, sixth in left field, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Seventh, first base, Rowdy Telez. Eighth at right field is Randall Grichuk. And ninth is Danny Jansen catching the ball. I like it. I understand it. I get it. Uh, the way that this stands right now, this is a right-handed dominant <laughs> juggernaut of an offensive yeah. team. But uh, I'm doing something a little different now. Am I doing it for the purposes of being different? I can't tell. Uh, here is what I am doing, and it's highly uh, debatable. Okay. Leading off is your center fielder, George Springer. Yeah, baby. You don't change something that ain't broken. You don't give a man $150 million and you change him up. He is going to be the energy of this lineup. He is going to start things off, put that money at the top. Batting second, your shortstop, Bo Bichette, who's going to be the best hitter on this team in 2021. Mm -hmm. Batting third, look at that man, lean, trim, and he is going to be playing third base because I don't know what else to fucking do with him. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Batting fourth, your left fielder, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Batting fifth, your DH, Teoscar Hernandez. Batting sixth, your first baseman, Rowdy Telez. Batting seventh, your right fielder, Randall Grishik. Batting eighth, your catcher, Danny Jansen. And in the nine hole is Kevin Biggio at the bottom to turn that lineup over. Because I think as soon as you take Biggio out of the leadoff, he becomes a it becomes really difficult to know where to put him. And I like him in the ninth spot as soon as, you know, I mean, no, I don't like him, uh, like leading off the fourth inning, <laughs> but to turn that lineup over that high on base percentage, he becomes like the, the leadoff hitter almost in the middle of the game. I like that. Yeah. I'm dude. I, I, it's so funny. Like I have a little paragraph after my thing of feeling like in the case that I've written out here with this lineup, Biggio needs to be hitting more not just getting on base and to stay there uh i think with with moves to this team i think biggio's going to be hitting ninth by the end of this offseason as crazy as it sounds that's exactly what i wrote as well i think i i i do agree with you and, and it's going to feel dirty especially if i mean he's just been he's been so steady leading off for us i think there is another world where Springer comes in, he looks at that lineup and says, this this dude could be the future of like on base in this league. Um, I don't know if I want to fuck with that, and I've got the power to be driving in big runs for this offense. If you put me hitting second or hitting third, I, I prefer second, I think, for George. But It, it does um, put Biggio in a spot where he's going to get a lot more strikes because he's got Springer behind him, so he probably won't walk as much, but... Uh... I got to think that on base is on base and he'll still be able to turn that lineup over. Certainly better than Danny Jansen, certainly better than Grishik or anybody else you're going to put at the bottom of that order. 
Yeah, it's just you start thinking about the kind of skill that he has, and you're like, I, I'm not going to have him come to come to bat at the end of those games at all. I'm not going to have him on base to for for my big guys. I don't know. That's it's really tough. It's yeah. but like I said, if we bring in another left handed hitter, you know, like a Michael Brantley or, you know, if we bring in a legit third baseman or we bring in like Marcus Semyon to to cover third uh, off coming off shortstop for, you know, suddenly that's a guy who's in the heart of your order in the middle of your order again, because I mean, both of those dudes, Brantley and Semyon have big bats and and things got to change you know and maybe that's because we've traded Lourdes Gurriel Jr. or we've traded Rowdy Tellez so things have opened up a bit but uh, it's going to be it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens with Biggio in this lineup so let's get into the murky complicated uh possibilities that exist in the future here now reports of come out that the Blue Jays are hot on the heels of Michael Brantley, who's repped mm-hmm. by the same agency as George Springer. They're really great friends. It was, it's, you know, speculated to be very much driven by a George Springer desire. And also, you know, in order to sign George Springer, you know, maybe a favor to the agency, blah, 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 blah. You bring in Michael Brantley and then you've got too many outfielders, which is why for me, it's so key. I mean, not necessarily that it's so key. It would just be so helpful if Vladdy could play third base (laughs) because then you wouldn't have to slot him into first base DH. You could have Rowdy at first base and then you could maybe move the outfield on like a DH rotation. But all that being said, if you get Michael Brantley, you're probably going to be looking to trade one of your outfielders for some starting pitching. And I don't imagine that your best trade bait is Randall Grishik. I imagine your trade bait is Guriel, Teoscar. What do you think? Yeah, I think for sure. And my question for you is going to be, which one are you going to rather trade, Teoscar or Guriel? And I feel like... Oh, it's for me, it's a no-brainer. No I, could, I could trade Teoscar a lot easier than I could trade Guriel. <sighs> Oh, I knew you were going to say that and I feel really conflicted. I don't I don't know if I agree with that at all. But I feel like their kind of skill set is just, just a little different. That I, I think you get more for Guriel too. But I know Te- I know what the Oscar's year was last year. I just think that there's more value in Guriel and I know that Teoscar is cheap too I know that his arbitration came in at what four point whatever four million dollars whatever but Guriel's making basically the same money and I just think Guriel's more dynamic and that I think like if if like if I'm gonna go out there and say like Luis Castillo would be the piece that you'd want like a nice young pitcher with big mm-hmm. upside and I'm the Cincinnati Reds I think the deal starts with Guriel. Yeah. Even though the rumors were for the Yankees that it was Glaber Torres. If that's the price, fuck that. I mean, that's just too much. We're not getting them. Yeah. Well, I think that's there's a little bit of you feeling uh, feeling the power of Yankees marketing and what's what Yankees turn superstars into. Like, if Lourdes Guriel Jr., was a Yankee, I feel like you might think of him in the same kind of uh, conversation that you feel like about, about a guy like Glaber Torres or something. I, I put Glaber Torres in the same conversation as Bo Bichette. 
Yeah, I don't. I know that last year was troublesome for him and he had a lot of injuries and you know there's those rumors that he was one of the guys wearing a buzzer whatever I, I put him right there very close to a guy like Bo Bichette and so if the Reds are calling the Blue Jays and saying oh let's talk about Bo nah, 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 hang up right away yeah no I agree I guess I, I, I coming back though to Hernandez versus Gurriel I feel like there's there's something more classically marketable about Hernandez as a bigger chip for a team's desires than Guriel because I think the power of Hernandez, the sort of like build, the look of him, it feels to me more like this is a big bopper. This is like your 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 power cleanup hitter. This is your Nelson Cruz. This is like Guriel's like almost more like a Michael Brantley in some senses, like good all around, not a great defender. Neither of them are great defenders, but there's something like, you know, he's going to hit for a higher average. He's still going to hit a bunch of home runs, but there's just something not as, like, alluring and, like, sexy about Gurriel's game to me as there is about Hernandez, if if you believe in the bat. And I think at this point there's been enough of a sample size that you have to. Oh, uh, there's, there's, no, there's no denying Teoscar's power, none whatsoever. And I hope you're right. I hope he is more marketable to other teams because I guess I just feel like Guriel's more valuable and 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 in part like if if Teoscar just you know carries over last year and keeps going I'll have to eat my words I guess what my problem is I don't fully believe it right the other thing is Teoscar's been healthier and there is a, an element of Guriel that's like I feel like he's always like a weird slide away and he slides weird all the time from like not necessarily a big injury but i feel like he's always like he's always out for like four games here and there like a week next week and like i don't know there's just something about him that it doesn't feel robust to me yeah i i i, I absolutely hear that it's uh i i do think we're gonna be saying goodbye to one of those guys but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I can get over either, but it, both of them will cause a sting. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, you, you grow close to these players. You watch them all the time. You see them through their struggles. You see them through all their success. And you and because they're, you know, I know Teoscar's not super young. And I mean, neither of them are super young, but I think we still have this idea that they haven't achieved their, their tops of their ceiling yet. So you have hope in these players. And yeah. you, you don't know what exactly they are, even though they may just be showing us exactly what they are, which is inconsistent. I don't know. Yeah. They've, I mean, defensively, they both leave a lot to be desired, but also have an incredible defensive asset which is their huge arms that they possess from both of those corners that they can gun guys down at third or at home plate without a cutoff like both of those guys have shown huge uh excellence in in that form of the outfield and you know they they're they're they seemingly are both getting better isn't it funny that you're saying that Guriel has these like defensive downsides with the golden glove? Yeah, <laughs> golden glove Guriel. But that's I think that's because of his arm, man. Because of those highlight plays that he's made. Well, I don't know about uh, that. If that was true, if gold gloves were just given out on arms, Jose Bautista would have about five of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- there's a there's not a lot of competition in left field these days. Yeah, that's true. Um, for for gold glovers, but. 
uh, I, I guess I, this kind of goes back to what I was saying in the intro, and I'm, st I'm starting to feel differently about some of these guys. I'm feeling less attached. Like the idea of trading Guriel or Hernandez two weeks ago made me feel really uneasy. The idea of trading them now and the possibilities of like opening up a, a slot for suddenly I'm thinking about Ozuna or something. And like, yeah, of course you just like upgrade and you have like a massive bat potentially as like a major DH spot or something. You know, like I, I just feel like the possibilities of like contending this year or next year, I, I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling so different about the team. I guess I don't think of Ozuna much different than I think of Teoscar. But I, I also no, think you like should. if they're, I, you also, should. I also think that if they're going to get Brantley, you're not going out and getting another outfielder. No, I know. I'm just talking about like the, the idea of not necessarily getting Brantley, but of getting other big guys like a Brantley or a Azuna, just like guys who make this lineup, which is already now like, I'd be like top five, top three lineups in the, in the American league. And some um, I heard on the radio today somebody was calling them the best team in the American League. I was like, whoa, 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 slow down. It's not not they are not there yet. They're not there yet, but I mean we we were uh top in in runs. Uh we were one of the the best offensive teams in the American League already last oh, season. Offensively for sure. But yeah, there's a whole other side to this. There is a whole other side to this, and I was thinking about that. And I mean, it's interesting. I was thinking about the Tampa Bay series because I'm thinking a lot about, again, like I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna criminally underrate the Tampa Bay Rays forever because I don't believe in them and I think that they're a, a really frustrating organization to root for and really easy to root against. But I was thinking about the series with them and them going to the World Series last year. And the way that we lost to them and how close those games were and that it's not like they were running it up on us, their offense, and that our pitching let us down. It's like we couldn't we couldn't get any runs off them. And I was thinking about George Springer being in our lineup and like maybe maybe we would have won one of those games at least with George Springer in the lineup if he, you know, just connects on a big hit where we had you know, a couple of guys on base, we couldn't get that big hit. We didn't have that clutch guy who's been there, who whose heart rate isn't jacked up in the moment. Like, I, I don't know. Like, we can't, I mean, clearly we're built to outslug. That's what, what the Blue Jays' identity kind of always has been, and I'm psyched that it still is and that we're, we're going down that route. And I don't, I, I'm not saying that we can stop here with the pitching, but... Uh. For me, the the guy, the low heart rate guy, who you can trust to get a single in a big moment is Michael Brantley. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Veteran guy, cool as a cucumber. I think George Springer is like a prolific playoff hitter. Nineteen playoff home runs. You know <laughs> the numbers are there. I think he's like the number big, four all time. Yeah, but in terms of just like big moment guys on base, get a single. That's Michael Brantley to me, and that's where I yeah. think his value would um, would shine through. Uh, Let's move on. Let's talk about another pickup that the Blue Jays got yesterday, the beginning of the day. Buck, was that just yesterday? That's crazy. Uh, Kirby Yates. Yeah. Picking up uh, 2019 star reliever Kirby Yates uh, from the San Diego Padres. Or is he, you know, he's a free agent. So he's a free agent, had a troublesome 2020, 
had bone spurs, had to have an operation. His numbers aren't yeah. good. But if you look at his numbers in 2019. He had four appearance or, so, or something in 2020. Yeah. Right. In, in 2019, he had an ERA plus of over 300. He was started to throw his splitter 40% of the time. But if you look at his uh, numbers in comparison to the rest of his career, it looks like he was doing steroids 100% of the time. Um, seems like a great pickup because they were in on Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks got blown out of the water by the White Sox with an over $50 million <laughs> deal, which was fucking crazy. They get Kirby Yates, who has incredible upside for guaranteed $5.5 million on one year. That just seems like a great grab. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be completely under the radar now. Yeah. I mean, it has to be. We've got, we've got George Springer. Um, but yeah, I mean, arguably the best, the best reliever in the game in 2019. I mean, Hendricks is there right with him, but I don't look, I, I won't claim to know shit about bone spurs. I don't know what a bone spur is. I don't know how they're formed. I don't, well, it's not reconstructive, I, I, which is big, right? It's, it, it, I guess I just feel like it's really exciting to me thinking about what I've, what I've heard about the, the Blue Jays bullpen in that this idea that they're trying to build a similar bullpen to the Tampa Bay Rays, in which apparently they're not saying, Kirby, you're our ninth inning guy. Um, we're going to kind of play it play it by ear. And if if that means uh, we like your matchup in the seventh inning and we got the, <clears throat> I don't know, number two, we got we got Aaron Judge coming up uh, with, a, with a couple runners on base. We might be bringing you in in the seventh inning. We might be bringing in Jordan Romano. Like, it, it's really cool. We got all these guys. We still got Dolis back there. We, we got this other guy, Chatwood, who, who's been, you know, kind of marginal starter for the Cubs. But uh, well, he was a bus starter for the Cubs, then moved to the bullpen. Right. And found some success in the bullpen and was throwing, what, 99 out of the bullpen, apparently. I mean, the more again, the just, more guys you have that flirt with a hundred coming out of the bullpen, that's I mean, yeah. that's the Tampa Bay race. Now obviously exactly. there's more to it than velocity, but velocity is a big part of it. Yeah. And also what else are we hearing about the last couple of days? We're hearing about our pitching coach, Pete Walker, and the advancements that we have with our video and the way that the Blue Jays organization treats pitchers. And you know, when you start bringing in a guy who's who has been a starting pitcher for an extended time, even if he hasn't been great, but now is moving to the bullpen with with a weapon like a 99 or flirting with a 100, and you've got Pete Walker being like, I'm going to make that better. We're going to harness that, and we're going <laughs> to we're going to turn you into a monster. Like suddenly, again, like, and let's not forget about Merriweather and like about Baraki, the weed dealer. Like, <laughs> like dude, this this bullpen suddenly like. All of a sudden, from like two days ago, is looking really strong as well on top of our huge offense. But now it's like, what are we going to do to not have Tanner Roark yeah. <laughs> potentially <laughs> throwing every every fifth day? It's or... funny because I saw Chatwood. I was like, ah, oh, so we got skinny Tanner Roark now? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think Chatwood also fills that kind of familiar Blue Jays spot in the bullpen where it's like, you know, he could possibly start a game. You could spot some yeah. game if you had to because I mean, he's been a starter most of his career. Um, yeah, exactly. All right. And, so... and, and also, like, not even necessarily start a game, but, like, you know, if he's if he's doing well 
and he comes in and the sixth, like, bring him out there for the seventh, maybe. Don't don't like we gotta use arms differently, obviously, mm-hmm. next year. And and people that have the ability to pitch more innings than one or more than get more than two outs or something, that's gonna be huge next year. All right, Jacob, let's wrap this up. Let's uh let's try to Put this all up in a neat and tidy bow. Where do they? What do you? What do you? What do you want next? What's the next thing that you want? Do you want them to go out and get a starting pitcher? Do you think Brantley's the next thing that they do? What do they need to do for you, or do you just want to sit in the bliss of George Springer and not even think about that right now? Well, I'll put it to you this way. I, I mean, what do you think about this? So, I mean, there's there's no clear indication that Bowers off the table now. Now, if you if if I give you two options and one of them is play, paying uh, Trevor Bauer, giving him uh, let's say twenty eight million a year, so it's 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 almost thirty. Um, it's 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 the same number of years. It's six years, and I don't know. Let's say one seventy five over six to Bauer. <laughs> or we're getting Castillo, but we're giving up Guriel and Simeon Woods Richardson, and and it's probably not stop, stopping there. Maybe even Kirk in there with them, and then some another guy you've never heard of. What? Where? where I mean, where? Do, where do you? Where do you want to have impact starting? Come I was from? I was ready to hit the buzzer on <laughs> Luis Castillo because I already think that we're probably not going to be able to keep Guriel, but as soon as you brought up Simeon Woods Richardson, I had to take a pause and I'd say, just spend the money, get Bauer. I can't, man, the things I've heard about Simeon Woods Richardson, I don't want to, I don't want to give him. I mean, look, Luis Castillo is not the most consistent guy either. Mm -hmm. He's got electric stuff, but he wasn't amazing last year. I witnessed that wholeheartedly on my fantasy team. Um, but it's also <laughs> hard to make any any kind of judgments on a, on a half season. But uh, like, it, I, I guess the fear is you give them Simeon Woods Richardson, you're basically giving them a young Luis Castillo and Gurriel. Yeah. So it's not my money. Just give Trevor Bauer the money because right. we're 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 raising the trophy. Uh, we're raising the trophy in the next couple of years. So I only need Bauer to be good for a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, I like. The George Springer move, like we're banking on it being. I I feel like our window of contention is four years. Yeah. Before we're thinking about a pivot to something, to uh, something different. Uh, you know what and, I mean? And it's also crazy to think like our window is uh, four years when when Bobichet is the ripe old age of twenty six and Vladdy's the right. ripe old age of twenty five and Kevin Biggio's the ripe old age of like twenty nine. Yep. <laughs> I mean it'll be a different window of contention that's happening then. Yeah. Right? To- totally. And I'm not saying that it's gonna be over then, but like we're creating one right now. And we're turning the dials up because we believe in these young guys to to get a lot of juice out of this squeeze right now. So I, I mean, I, I'm curious if there's someone else other than Castillo, some guy that hasn't been talked about yet that the Blue Jays are targeting, then like another trade. Sunny Gray. Maybe it's, maybe it's Sunny Gray. Maybe it's someone else. Like maybe it's not someone as exciting as 
Castillo, but maybe it's someone that's like we're getting some value there that maybe maybe they're a lesser name but going to produce on a similar level that is going to fly under the radar. I don't know who that is yet, but uh, I don't know. I, 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 I don't feel jazzed about Tanaka. Really, I know that you you definitely don't feel psyched about Tanaka. Uh, every time uh, that guy throws a pitch, I think there's going to be a part of his elbow on the ground, and like he's been hanging on by a fucking thread for years now. And I just think that the Yankees got so lucky with him, and I don't want to take any chance on that elbow. Yeah, and there's a ton of people that are like, "Let's get Taiwan back here." And there's a part of me that's that's like, "Yeah, that seems fine," but uh, there's also Another part of me that just wants something else different, even though he was fine. Like even if someone else produces on the same level as him, like kind of just want to bring someone else in because I saw him and I wasn't blown away. He was fine. He was good. We will wait and see. Things are happening. The moving and the shaking is starting to move and shake. We'll talk about a hopefully another big addition in the next coming days or weeks, but uh, bask in this one, everybody, because excitement is not coming by too frequently these days, and this is a big one. Let's go. We'll see you all. We won't see you. We will talk to you all next time.